Over the past couple days, it's been really neat to be a part of the, the shooting of this series, to see Pastor David on camera, to see the set and the lights, uh, to see 30, 40 people coming in to shoot interviews and testimonies. Uh, it's just gonna be a, a neat opportunity for us to not only study together, to learn together, to grow together, but also to see each other, um, helping each other grow. Being a part of a small group for so long now, uh, I know that this is gonna be uh, a huge jump for the church to get more small groups involved and really impact people's lives in, in a community of faith that really brings you in. It's been really exciting to be here on the set as we're filming A Deeper Life with God. Uh, hearing people's stories, anticipating what it's gonna be like when we all get to see this together and learn I know that a lot of exciting things have been happening right here as we've been filming. I can't wait to share it with you. Uh, we're just really proud of Pastor David's teaching. We've benefited it from it uh, in our community for years, and uh, we are really happy to share these teachings about presence, about generosity, about sacrifice, about community, things that have defined our life together. We are so happy to now share those with a broader audience. I can't tell you how excited I am and we are about a, a new opportunity for all of us in our small groups, our classes, our connections to be able to have this great curriculum, what deeper life with God. And we might be able to do that and, and, and do that in a community, do that in sharing together and doing that in uh, discussions and prayer and also this, this video teaching curriculum that's going to help us do that. A lot of work's gone into it. We believe it'll change your life and my life and our life together. We're excited about it. I hope you will make sure you're involved in one way or the other in the season we're about to step into. And as many know already, we have coming up next week a conference called Good and Beautiful God Conference. You can still join us in that. Just sign up today and be a part of that great event. And following that, we're going to be having a series of small groups, six weeks worth of small groups gathering Existing classes, new classes, many of you are hosting some groups. If you want to do that, you still can. Uh, this book is going to guide it, six-week study. We're also going to have our message series on Sundays and Saturdays connect with it as well. So it's all kind of a comprehensive super series, we're calling it. So if you've not bought your book yet, you can uh, do that. And if you're not part of the study, you can still buy the book and be a part of that growth with us and uh, the, every connection with that. So a reminder about that for you today. Uh, and uh, hopefully be excited praying with me about coming up a deeper life with God and our deeper emphasis here coming up in the fall. Today we continue in a series we're calling Revival. This is the fourth week of that series. I'll tell a couple of uh, happenings this last week that connect with this a little bit as, as, as in my own perspective of this. Monday night, uh, Spring Creek Barbecue here in town, they helped us uh, raise some money for special needs. If you do not know, uh, our church has a special needs ministry. Amanda leads that. Uh, it's out of children's ministries that go, it's going really like fantastic. It's growing, developing, expanding. It's a great ministry to and by uh, typically young adults in the special needs category. So uh, Amanda led this process to have a uh, fundraiser at Free Barbecue where 20% uh, of the money that people gave go to the cause. Uh, and they all had to sign up from First Methodist to be a part of that. And so they did. All night long, people came. And after the, the day was over and they tallied everything up, they told us that we, we broke the record for churches doing that kind of fundraiser at Spring Creek here in town and also the entire national franchise as well. And so we can celebrate that. 
It says a lot. Uh, I was walking down a hallway this week at a kind of a nursing home type of place uh, here in the community, uh, visiting someone in our church while I was there. And, uh, I, and, and an African-American lady, a very small lady, could barely see her. She was like way down here. Uh, she, she, said, she saw my name tag, which was right at her eye level. And she said, and she said, and she said, Pastor Mike. And I said, hi. I really didn't know her. She said, I attend your Celebrate Recovery which is on Thursday night, Pastor Caesar leads that, and that is uh, for, and we believe everybody's recovering from something, and she has some, something in life that's led her to be at that place, and I saw her that very night, because I went that night to celebrate recovery to, to hear Pastor Caesar preach, and, and I, I, I love that little moment there in the day, uh, in my day, hi, Pastor Mike, I attend your celebrate recovery, I don't have anything to do with other than every once in a while I go preach on rare occasions, Pastor Caesar usually leads that. This Thursday, we're preparing for what we call a community network prayer breakfast. It's hosted by uh, about 15 pastors in our community. Uh, our church began begun that. We still coordinate that. We make that happen. And they joined me uh, in leading that, making it happen. And we invite typically only leaders to come to that. We don't have room for everybody, so we invite only leaders, uh, city, cities, school board, school boards, uh, city leaders, uh, and so it's really all like the mayor of Arlington is going to come. Our mayor here in Mansfield is going to speak. Uh, we have our school administrators going to speak. All that's happening there in that event. We have about 250 people signed up for that who will come. Every school is represented. Every city, uh, community. It's, it's a tremendous moment. We come together just to pray uh, for our area. And we love that connection. So that's happening as well. Now, I say all those things to read these verses in Matthew chapter 25, verse 34, next week we begin having our regular scripture readers as we have in the past. We have a member of our church who reads, but today I'm going to read this for you. And these are the words of Jesus. And the title of my message is, What Jesus Said. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry... And you gave me something to drink, to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you stranger and invite you in or needed clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will, will, will reply, truly I say to you, whatever you've done to the, one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters of, of mine, you've done for me. What Jesus said. In the revival series, we began with the idea of repentance. That was the first week. Jesus came in my heart. I forgive me my sins. I give my life to you. Change my life. That's repentance. We talked also about accountability the next week. Gathering with other people, whether it be in worship service or a small group or in your home, wherever it might be, where we hold each other accountable to the faith that we profess. We need other people to be successful in our Christian journey. We talked last week about personal holiness, how we live our life in a way that honors the God that we walk with, that we have a, a relationship with, that we love, that loves us. And we want to honor that by how we choose to live. And the word holy is what the Bible uses. Today we talk about what Jesus said, and the word is Social holiness. Social, a very good Wesleyan Methodist word, been around for a long, long time. 
I'll say more about why that word is chosen here in a little bit. Last, about a week and a half ago, I came home and my, my wife was kneeling in front of the dishwasher. I knew that was not a good thing uh, and because it wouldn't work. And she'd been trying to make it work for quite some time. And, of course, I'm the husband, so I'm a part of that journey very quickly. And so she said, we got to make it work. And so I found myself trying to make it work, too. I did everything I knew who to do. Uh, look at it, check this, check that, look on the Internet, uh, go out there and, and double-check the burger breaker, all the things that most of us would do. Still wouldn't work. So after a couple of days of trying to figure it out, uh, Rhonda called uh, our repair person to come fix it. It's still under warranty, so we're glad about that. Uh, and then the next day or so, I'm just in the kitchen, standing there, and, I'm, and I noticed something. It's a, really, a new house for us, relatively. We've only been there a few years. Noticed a switch I'd never seen before. I thought, what is that switch that's there? And I just casually went, click. The dishwasher came on magically, you know. Uh, and then later on, uh, our oldest granddaughter's living with us. Now she's going to go to college here. Actually, she's already begun college. And she, she, she confessed, I thought it was a garbage disposal, and I flipped the switch off. And so that's, so it became, it became, it became, what's going to make this thing work? That was all that mattered, because if not, we have to wash dishes. I say we. Uh, <laughs> it would probably be an interactive experience at that point, uh, but uh, we would have to start washing dishes. Uh, which we didn't want to do. It works. Now, now, I want you to think about the church, maybe your life as well. We easily buy into whatever works. We want things to work well. We're very pragmatic. What makes the church work? What fills the pews? What makes the budget uh, be met? Uh, what keeps things rolling smoothly as possible? And we often live by that. And that can easily, as important as it is, it can easily take the place of what Jesus said. And churches do it all the time. And so do Christians. We find, oh, this is working for me, so I'm going to keep doing this. Or this works for the church, let's keep doing this. And we forget what Jesus said. We want things to work instead of what the Lord said. Now, we're talking today about the words of Jesus, of course and also personal holiness, and now social holiness. And by the way, in our own understanding of the church, the Methodist church, or the Wesleyan movement, we'll say more about that again in a minute, those things weave together. You can't separate personal, I'm trying to live the right way, what works for me, from social, how I serve the world I live in. You can't disconnect. They are together in a very real way. We can, they cannot be separated. The early church was born in the first century. Uh, at, at some point, of course, Christ had been crucified. The resurrection had happened. Uh, the church was kind of birthed at Pentecost. And in that time period, the church grew rapidly in the Roman Empire, the Greek and Roman world. Rome and Ephesus, uh, Asia Minor, Jerusalem, all around that very amazing populated Roman world. It grew a lot. But there were many who believed who were not of Jewish heritage. They had no concept of keeping Jewish laws, regulations, or religious rituals. So there was a conflict in the church. The Jews would often say, you've got to keep all these laws. There's a thousand of them. You've got to keep them all. We do, you do. 
And, and the Greeks and Romans said, what about, we don't get any of that. And so it was, what is the early church going to be required to do as it grows and explodes in numbers in the Roman world? So they had what was called a Jerusalem conference, or we call it that now, Jerusalem conference. And so the Apostle Paul and others went to Jerusalem. They met with James, the brother of Jesus, who led the Jerusalem church, and they talked about, okay, what are we going to require these Gentile, non-Jewish Christians to do? Well, we're not going to make them do all the Jewish laws. They don't have to do the dietary laws. They don't have to wash their hands before they eat. They're all kind of stuff. They but, here, but we have to do this, and here's uh, what Galatians 2.10 says. Put that up on the screen for you. All they asked was, yeah, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor. The very thing I have been eager to do all along. And Paul writes those words. The one thing we're all going to do, Greek, Jew, Roman, poor, rich, free, slave, man or woman, we're all going to do this. We're going to remember the poor. The one thing that they came together on beyond the faith in Jesus Christ that saves us all. How special is that? Now, I'm going to show you a picture of this church. And it's a picture that I took last week, actually heading into church. I park over here at Chick-fil-A uh, for Sunday mornings. And I said, I'm going to take a picture. You can see my shadow there, by the way. Uh, and, and, and I saw a beautiful picture there, so I took it. And you see our church. Leave that picture up there for a while if you would. And that's what, that's what you see from the Walmart parking lot. Uh, the trees there, and uh, I, remember, I remember planting those trees. We helped plant, we planted those trees by hand. Remember doing that, putting those in the ground. They're finally growing now, uh, beginning to expand a little bit. Uh, the churchyard, we have well water that keeps it green. If you didn't know that, we have a well we've had on this campus for 30 years uh, that waters our, our churchyard, as they would say in the country church. Uh, you see the sanctuary in the background. I, I was here, many of you were, when we built that. Uh, and, and the cupola on the top and the steeple. And, and I was thinking, I wonder what all these people who are shopping at Walmart think when they see that church. I wonder what they really think. You know, now, Walmart is an amazing place. Have, how many have been to Walmart? This Walmart right here. <laughs> amazing, right? It's amazing. Now, I'm going to be really, really desperate if I go to Walmart. I will on rare occasions go to Walmart, uh, but, but it's an amazing place. Everybody is there. Everybody for 10 square or more miles around eventually finds their way into that store right there. Every demographic, every ethnic group, every economic group, every Christian and non-Christian group, they all are at Walmart, I think all at the same time. So, and I thought, I wonder what all these people here think when they park and say, there's a church over there. When they see the, the cross and the flame there on our sign, or the word first United Methodist Church, when they see that, or the, the cross on the top of our cupola, they probably don't know what a cupola is, that's, that's it right there. You know, they wonder what that is. They may wonder what's inside, who goes there, you know. They have all kinds of thinking probably about the church, some accurate, most inaccurate. What do they think about the church? Now, I want you to think with me about exactly how the church is defined. 
If you and I define the church, we would say, well, it's where I go on Sundays and, and we sing great music this Sunday and I, I love the, 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 the lights, you know, and the care, you know. Or I go to this group or I connect with that group, you know, or I've been a Methodist for the last 80, 70, 50 years or, or I'm just now figuring it out, you know. There's all kinds of reasons that we are here, but, but what are the people that, what do they think? Now, I'm going to tell you this, what Jesus said, you know, we're talking about what Jesus said. If what he said is true, then the church really can only be defined by those who don't attend it, by those on the outside, maybe, who, how do they understand who First Methodist Church is? The church can only really be defined if what, if what Jesus said is true, and I believe that it is, by the interaction we have with our community and our world. Your interaction, my interaction, our interaction, how we connect. Walking down the hallway, I go to your CR. You know, she told me in that, she defined a church she really doesn't attend. She goes on Thursday night for CR, but she didn't come on Sunday mornings. And so she's defining our church for us. You know, that's where I go with my recovery issue. That's what I do are defined by, by those who are sitting around uh, string creek saying, who are all these people here? Why are they taking my chair? What are they doing? Oh, they're raising money for special needs that meets at First Methodist Church. Oh, you, so you understand what I'm saying. When they look, what do they see and know who the... It's the interaction we have with our world, which the Bible calls how we reflect our faith in Christ with the world we live in. And Jesus also uses the analogy being salt and light in the world that we live in, what we're talking about. In this revival series, we're also connecting with our own Wesleyan Methodist heritage, and it's one and the same, and, and all churches are influenced by the Wesleyan heritage, and all churches serve God well, so I'm not elevating our church over others. I want you to know something about our own heritage uh, and the Wesleyan Methodist church. Uh, and one of the things that Wesley said was emphasizing what he called works of mercy as a core to the church. Put that up on the app. Works of mercy. Feeding the hungry, he called it. Clothing the naked. Entertaining the stranger. Visiting those that are in prison or sick or variously afflicted. I wonder where he got that from. It's the verse we just read. I just read for you. It's from what Jesus said. So Jesus said it, so we're going to do that. I can't tell you how many times that we have sat in a room, either staff or laid together in this church family, and said, well, Jesus said do that, so we're going to do it whether it works or not. In other words, whether it makes the church grow, adds new members, or adds more money to the offering or not, makes no difference. Jesus said, do it, so, well, we're going to do it. And so we do Kairos prison ministry. Why? Because Jesus said, do it. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm doing it this season. I'm going to be uh, speaking in prison here uh, in a few weeks, along with many other of our church family are part of that as well. Uh, there's an, uh, we're, so we're doing a men's Kairos Prison Ministry, which is a three-day retreat uh, in a, a local prison where we help them find Christ and know that God loves them and people care about them. Simple message, message of the church. Uh, we're doing a women's one as well. Uh, I say we are. My wife is part of that one, connecting with that ministry and women's Kairos, a women's prison as well. We also have hosted some groups that have met with us in the last few weeks who are doing a third prison that are serving in that way as well. So we're connecting in one way or the other with three different prisons in the next few weeks doing Kairos prison ministry. Why? Well, 
it's pretty hard to do. You got to train Saturday after Saturday. You have to train with the state of Texas. Uh, you have to pr- prepare this way. Uh, you have to meet these guidelines. And you have to spend three days going in and out of prison where the food is not very good. Uh, nothing is very good about being in prison. And it's a little bit, you know, a little bit scary, I think, for people who aren't used to doing it. But Jesus said, do it. So we do it. Uh, Feed by Grace, which is a homeless ministry, we connect with that as well. And uh, twice these events have happened. Uh, I went out there one time, uh, go out there often at Christmas time and bring the Christmas message. Done that several times. Actually, done a funeral out there at one time, sharing with, a, with, with the homeless who'd lost a homeless man. And they, and they were smiley. Some might remember that story. And so did his service. But I remember one time a man coming up and talking to me and said, You did my grandmother's funeral. He's homeless there in Fort Worth, but he remembered that I did his grandmother's funeral. And, and we renew that acquaintance, you know. And, uh, one time we had the story where uh, I was told this. I wasn't there that day where uh, they ran into one of the girls who grew up in our church who was homeless. She's not homeless anymore, thank you, God. For a period of time, she was. And we made that connection there. And so think about what G- Jesus said. Uh, feed the kids for summer, we do that. Common ground, connect with many other churches. We created that, begun that. Wesley Mission Center, you may know that story really well. It's continued to expand, do such great things in our community, jobs for life, other things. Uh, these things go on and on and on. We get the Zoe ministry, and uh, Scott referred to that, and Africa Mission. It's going to expand real soon. We're excited about that future event. Uh, but and I'm saying all these things to say, Jesus just said, you know, you know they, they don't build our church. They don't grow our church. They don't add people to our church family. Jesus just said, do them. And so we want to do them. And then we, we go that direct works of mercy. It's our heritage. This church that celebrates this year's 130th anniversary. It's how long we've been in this community. That's a long time. And the Methodist Church over 200 years and the Church of Jesus Christ for 2,000 years. Well, secondly, in this, this thing today, the gospel of Christ knows no religion. This is also John Wesley, but social religion. No holiness, but social holiness. Again, it's all connected. That there's a place where we come to Christ and the church is born and we grow in our faith and that growth of personal holiness leads to serving and sharing good news of the world we live in in a variety of ways. You do it individually, your family, churches together, programs, sometimes not programs, but we, we do that because Jesus, that maturity happens. A few years ago, as some know, I had a heart attack. I went to the local hospital here. Uh, they gave me a heart stent. Thank you, Jesus. I'm fine. Doing very well since that time period. But what I'm pointing out is uh, that's a Methodist hospital, if you didn't know that. I get to be on the, uh, the advisory board there, so I meet with the, the president and other leaders of our church and the community every once in a while doing that. Uh, Pastor Caesar is, uh, leads the pastoral care services for that entire Methodist health system, about five hospitals, four hospitals, some other outpatient kind of things that they do as well. Uh, that was began a, a century or so ago uh, at, by a Methodist people who began that. We're going to call it the Methodist church, Methodist hospital, uh, because Jesus said do things like this. And back in those days, it was very different to find medical care, to pay for medical care, uh, but everybody needed medical care. So it was a huge introduction to this country to say, churches care about sick people. We're going to build hospitals. And there are Methodist hospitals and other denominational hospitals as well around the country in almost every major city because of that core sense of, well, Jesus said, take care of sick people. Let's build a hospital. That's a lot to do. 
universities the same way. SMU, of course, being one local. Texas Wesleyan University as well is another that's local. There are many others around the country. Uh, there, there are no states that don't have a Wesleyan Methodist school of some sort, either small college or university. And I can name many of them. I don't have time. I won't do that. But these universities were begun the very same reason. We want to provide a way that people can elevate their life. They can improve their life. They can learn. They can grow. They can mature. They can be better servants of God. And many of these, many of these schools have seminaries attached to them, as SMU does. Duke University does. Others do for that very reason. So getting a sense of who we are what we're about, and uh, orphanages, children's homes, retirement villages, all evidences of our roots. It simply are, as Wesley pointed out, as Jesus very clearly spoke for himself, it's just what Jesus said do. It's what Jesus said. That's how we go. It's how we roll. It's how we work as a church. Well, third point, social holiness committed the Methodists to an interconnectional, interconnection of small groups as well as to progressive posture on social problems like alcohol, abuse, and slavery. That's a very old statement. Justification, justification by faith and social holiness was one fabric. Okay, it's all connected together. The way of the Wesleys, going back along, and the word progressive meant something different years ago than it does today, so don't get confused about that. But what it meant was we're on the cutting edge of creating wonderful things in people's lives and changing the world we live in. There's some things you may or may not know uh, you probably have heard about prohibition in, in the 20s. didn't work very well. But you may not know that uh, the main driver for prohibition was Methodists. Methodist churches around the nation were very much against what they saw as rampant alcoholism in this country. They wanted to stop it. And the primary leaders of that were women in Methodist churches who worked to create that time period of no alcohol or illegal alcohol in this country. And what you also may not know is during that same time period, uh, women weren't able to vote. And so that also happened at the same time. And in both cases, women's right to vote, along with alcohol prohibition, were led by many Methodist women and men throughout this nation. And you also may not know this, that before prohibition, the average alcohol consumption in this country was more than seven gallons a person. That is a lot of, I said it in 850, I'll say, that's a lot of booze. <laughs> Seven gallons in a year. That's a lot. After prohibition, it was cut to a third to a half. Now, that's still not great, but that certainly is an improvement. But I'm telling you, it's where it comes from. Uh, that's the heart of that. And I love the history of how uh, Methodist churches and pastors interacted in positive ways many times in the civil rights movement of the 60s and 70s. There were many Methodist pastors and leaders who were in those marches and so many other places. I love that history that, that we connected in a positive way many times, not always, there are things we need to repent of, but there are many things we also can be proud of. We made that because that's our heritage uh, and where we come from in what Jesus said and what the Wesleyan movement said as well and how we connect in those ways. James 1.18 says it this way, I'll show you my faith by my works. Simple enough, isn't it? Hard to miss that one. I've got faith, okay. Now let me show you my faith of what I do. Let me show you the faith of this church for what this church does and how we live as revival is really lived out. Because a church in revival, church in revival, a Christian in, a Christian in revival has a heartbeat for the least, the last, and the lost. 
And what I did uh, this last week was I invited people through Facebook, the only way I could interact with uh, people who were not church members. I wanted people who are, not, who, who are on my Facebook page, and many of you helped me communicate that to your friends, not on my Facebook page, uh, on my Facebook page, who uh, don't attend our church, who are not part of our church family, who are not officially members at all. Tell me what you think about this church. What is your perception from, for, about First Methodist Church from your interaction with it as a non-member, non-attender? And I wanted to go over to Walmart and ask people there, but they won't let you do that. Uh, they will run you off if you say, what do you think about the church you see over here? You know, But I'll tell you what many of them would say. And one person made this comment that we need to hear as well because it's, it's very true, and that comment is this. Some feel like it's a mega church and might be unwelcoming. They are afraid to come for fear of not being noticed. I promise you there are people who think that because it might be a little bit scary unless they know you interact with you personally, and see, well, she or he's not scary. I might go to their church. But here's what uh, the bulk of people said. I'm simply going to read to you what came to me. I've lived in Mansfield for all 35 years of my life. First Methodist has been a staple in our community. You all do so much for Mansfield, from the thrift store to helping the needy to the pumpkin patch. The town would not be the same without you all there. And I really like that. 35, all of his life, and the pumpkin patch speaks of church interacting with the community. Something as simple as that. Uh, the, the thrift store, of course, and the mission center, he didn't know the name of it, just knew that. It's always been there all my life, it's been there, and pretty much all his life it has been there, and how we serve the needy. Second person said, this is a member, but she's talking about her interaction with people who told her these things, and she says, I was helping my friend, chief of police, Tracy Aram, and Sherry, his wife, they're friends since junior high. When I walked into the room to help, he introduced me to a few of his fellow officers. He also mentioned I had worked from, from FMCM and that I was a longtime member. I'm very proud of that. When I mentioned my church, there were several ladies and men who spoke very highly of our church and the work in the community that you all reach out to. This is her comment. Now, you might notice I'm wearing a little blue ribbon uh, and uh, this event was Wednesday night at a local police station here for the Mansfield PD where many went by to get blue ribbons and uh, support the police and say we're praying for our police, we care about our police. We have a lot of police officers in our church. Mansfield, Arlington, Fort Worth, Richland Hills, Grand Prairie, many all around us. And, and many are doing this now, but uh, I put a blue ribbon on my car, on the, on my, uh, the, the mirror on the side. Got this one today. We have these available for you if you'd like them. My, I'm guessing we're going to run out if we haven't already. They're at the back. If there are any left, uh, people take these. And that's what they're about. And this is for all around us. What we're, it's, it's, it's spread in, in a few days. It's spread that rapidly. Uh, if you can't get one of these, get a blue ribbon and tie it to your mirror. If you want to do that, I have with mine. Simply a way of saying we care about, we thank you for what you do for us. So that's one way to connect. We're already doing that. I want to keep doing that. Again, those, these ribbons are available at the back, some of them anyway. Hopefully there will be some there for you if you hurry. Don't leave before the service is over, but if you get early, you might get them. One thing I continue to hear, FMM, stepping in to help people in need and providing resources for the same. Setting the example in Mansfield. I don't attend, but I've been inside many times. Scouts, theater, concerts, First Methodist is the big church in the middle of town that opens its doors 
We attend another church, but our sons have been to youth many times at First Mansfield. First Methodist is a community church. I personally love your church was another one. FUMC is a great part of the Mansfield community. I personally do not attend services, but I have the opportunity to interact with members of the congregation on a volunteer basis regularly. Every experience has been over-the-top positive. The spirit of giving is what comes to mind when I think of FUMC. And the last one I'll share today. We moved to Mansfield 14 years ago, and I have friends who go to FUMC. I've even spoken to other ministers. This person is a pastor who's talking to other pastors, and here's what he says. In fact, just last week I asked, if you were new to this area, what church would you feel most welcomed and have the greatest confidence in leadership? And they quickly said, First Methodist. First Methodist, so I appreciate that. He also wrote, and I enjoy your Facebook posts. So, okay, enough of those. Hope you're with me on what we're talking about today. That revival must be reflected in how we serve other people. That's when maturity happens. We go from Jesus saved my soul to now I'm going to serve other people. We go from our own needs to other people need me. From the church thinking about itself to make things work and the church thinking, hey, Jesus said do it and we're going to do it. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for being present among us today in your spirit, songs of worship, prayers of faith, the words of Jesus spoken in Scripture, a sermon preached. And now, God, prepare our hearts to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion. We receive your grace once again. And go from receiving it to share it with the world we live in. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.